So I've got the privilege of uh, preaching today, and obviously next week is Christmas. <clears throat> and um, Dave asked me to preach on reconciliation today. What do you think of when you hear the word reconciliation? Who st- went straight away to the political thing? Come put your hands up, be honest. Now, there are one or two, three honest people, the rest of you are lying, but that's okay. We forgive you. It's a time of, of reconciliation, so we'll get over that. <clears throat> but um, I'm not going to challenge, take this as a political thing. I'm going to talk about reconciliation and what did God intend with reconciliation? What is his plan with it? <clears throat> and how did he show us and do it? You know, and I was thinking about it. And if we look at Christmas time and this, this, this season of God Emmanuel. God coming to us, God with us, God came to restore what was broken in the garden, what sin had broken before that, and that is ultimately what reconciliation is all about, and reconciliation is, if we look at it, um, what does it mean? What does reconciliation mean? It means to restore to friendship by bringing harmony between enemies. At its root, it refers to change or exchange. In Hebrew, it means to take pleasure in. And the ancient Greeks used the word to describe two people in previous conflict who are now at peace with one another. That sounds quite different, doesn't it? It's amazing how a word gets uh, an attachment to it. And as soon as we mention that word our point of reference jumps straight away back to, to what we perceive it to be. You see, when reconciliation between two parties, it assures that there was something wrong. And there's a relationship that needs to be fixed in the first place. Isaiah 59.2 says, Our sin separates us from God, but, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear. Ephesians 2.3 declares unbelievers as children of wrath who are estranged from God. So the passage I want to share on this, this morning is from 2 Corinthians 5, from verse 17 to 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, and through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God has reconciled, is reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the the righteousness of God. And I'm sure if we look at this passage, we can pick and and, and preach on it for, for months. I'm sure there is so much in this passage. But I want to pick on... There's five things about reconciliation in that passage. 
that I want to pick on this morning and hopefully um, stir you up in some way um, to catch the heart of reconciliation and what God intends it for us in community and what in God intends it for us as people that we can be free and the new creation that he, he talks about in this passage. So the first thing, there are five things that I want to, so I know those of you who are taking notes, you can jot down the five things. I can see you all moving to your books and papers. The first one in verse 17 is the miracle of reconciliation. In verse 18, he talks about the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, he talks about the message of reconciliation. Verse 20, the mandate of reconciliation. And verse 21, he talks about the model of reconciliation. So that's pretty much where we're going. You guys okay with that? You awake? Okay. I see those pencils flying around there. That's good, man. So let's talk about the first one, the miracle of, of reconciliation. That's in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So if you've been born again as a, as, a, as a Christian, and the Bible talks about we need to be born again, if we are born again, therefore we have received the miracle of reconciliation. And like I said earlier, what is reconciliation? Reconciliation right at the beginning is what God had put in place for us to be reconciled with Him. So Jesus coming to earth, Jesus coming as a baby, as a humble little boy, and grew up to be this man that eventually laid down his life for his friends. That was God's plan for us to be reconciled with him. That is the miracle of reconciliation. Reconciliation was God's plan right from the start. As we were old people, and I'm not talking in age, I'm talking about our old selves as soon as we become new creations, we're born, reborn into that reconciliation of God. And therefore, the characteristic of God and the newness on the freshness of God, God's character and His purpose and His plans and everything about God, we adopt and we get born into that so that we can become the righteousness of God. That means the old has gone and the new has come. So therefore, we begin to walk and live a life that has been restored to God, therefore we walk and talk like Jesus, or we meant to. That is the plan. That is what the, the, the plan of reconciliation from God's point of view is all about. You see, this is not something that we just our outward appearance, but being born again and being reconciled is something that goes deep within us. It is a change from within the outward appearance is meant to just reflect what's going on on the inside. That's why we do baptism. It's a symbol of the old dying and the new coming out and arising. You see, the miracle of, restoration, of reconciliation is that we are no longer alone, isolated, shamed, condemned, but God has taken that and taken that and washed it away and rebirthed us in the righteousness of God. Isn't that amazing? Sure. Holiday crowd. 
I thought it was quite cool, but anyways. Thanks, Derek. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't, it, it doesn't mean that oh, we're a new creation. Now all of a sudden life just begins to, well, it stops. This is where the journey just begins. And the excitement and the plans and the purposes that God has for us really begins. Which leads us to the second point, which is the ministry of reconciliation. Now I'm sure some of you are asking, what is that? Well, let's read verse 18 and what does it say? Those who are reconciled are now reconcilers. And all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. <laughs> what I loved about this is, um, who was it? Sorry, let me just go back here quickly. Um, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll bring it up just now. The whole thing about the, 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 the miracle of reconciliation is that you and I had nothing to really do with that. Yes, we respond to God, but the act of it is all Jesus. It's God's initiative. You know, and, and I always look at this, um, which leads into the whole thing of ministry of um, of reconciliation, we like, well, how can we do that? But remember, those that are reconciled will become reconcilers. So therefore, all of us have been in, uh, given this ministry to carry on what God has done in this. And he continues to call us into being people who reconcile others. Reconcile others towards God. So therefore, our mandate, well, I'll talk about our mandate just now, but our ministry, therefore, is to draw people towards Jesus. And then the second part, the second wing then, or arm to that, is that if we are reconcilers, we need to reconcile ourselves to our brothers and sisters and our brothers and sisters to each other. The reality is that all of us are in connection and have people around us that need to be reconciled to God. Does that mean you need to be this amazing evangelist? No. But if your intention and understanding of the calling of this ministry of reconciliation is that we are called, one and every single one of us, to be aware and conscious that the person next to us needs to be reconciled to God. You know, I'm not excited about that either. Sure. This is really tough this morning. That is the ministry that God has given us. That is where God has called and showing each one of us where we need to serve. So if one of you come to me and say, Gav, I don't know what my ministry is. Well, I'll give you one right here. Your ministry of reconciliation. In your day-to-day -day life, look for people that need to be reconciled to Jesus. I don't know about you guys. But I have quite a strange family. And I'm not talking about my boys in this, okay? I'm talking about my broader family. And I'm sure you all have this. And you can all laugh about this. And you can all pretend that you have the most perfect family or not. But I have some weird cats in my family. Back, you know, fortunately at this, well, 
<laughs> I don't, I, no, no, let me, let me not say anything more. I'm going to get into trouble. Eh? Social media, yeah. But the reality is that all of us have strange cats in our families. And I'm sure all of us have serious conflicts in our family. Eh? I'm sure if you go back to your Tansanis and Pits and all those guys, when Pit doesn't speak to Tansani because years ago she kicked his toe and therefore, and then subsequently their children don't speak to their children because of that. And anyone relate to this? Thank you. Yeah, I finally got a response from you guys this morning. Woo, I'm a winner. One up. And we all have these. And then I'm sure many of you have been part of churches <laughs> where we have offended one another. Eh? Oh, now it's gone quiet again. But it's in all these circumstances we have been called to be reconcilers. I'm not saying we need to be best friends with everyone. I'm not saying we need to, you know, have amazing friendships with everyone. But what I am saying is, when we walk into the room with people, are we reconcilers? Are we free from the bondage of having relationships torn and broken because we have Jesus and we've been a new creation? Has Jesus set our relationships free? Has he done that? Has he set us free from the bondage of tension and offense and struggles? You know, so often in life, again, I'll just use my own life, and I'm sure you guys don't have these issues. It's only probably pastors. But there was a stage in, I'll use my life. I won't use my wife because she's in Canada and she can't answer for herself. But um, there was a stage in, in my life where I had an expectation on someone to live up to my expectation of them, and I hadn't even voiced that expectation to them. Anyone relating to this so far? And I was so offended because they were not living up to this expectation and they weren't doing what I wanted them to do. I had an expectation on them without voicing it and without even asking them if they could or would. And until I got to that point of saying, you know what, I have an unfair expectation on this person. Actually, I need to go to God for some of these things. And I need to set them free from these expectations. Because it's not eating them up, it's eating me up. And that is the thing about reconciliation. It's a model that Jesus showed us. It's not like if something happens to us, we need to sit back and just say, well, it's not my problem. I don't need to sort this out. It's their problem. Unfortunately, reconciliation doesn't work like that. We messed up our relationship with God, but yet He made the plan to restore us, and He invites that into. Therefore, that is the model and the ministry that He gives us and He leads us into, which is the third point of this, and it's the message of reconciliation. Uh, verse 19 tells us um, that it is in Christ God was reconciling the world 
to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. You see, the message is that if you know of an issue, if you know where there is relationship brokenness, if you know where there are struggles and tensions between people, Jesus said, don't hold the world's trespasses against that person. God didn't hold it against us. That is the message. When we sin, God doesn't say, well, you know what? Darren, you sinned again, bro. And you're going to sin later today and you're going to sin tomorrow. So therefore, it's not good enough. That's not the message. The message is, you know what, Darren? I see you've fallen, but your heart is right. Your heart does not want to fall. So I will pick you up again and again and again. Are our hearts for reconciliation between friends and family and church people and colleagues? Is our heart always, you know what? I'm sure your intention is not always to hurt me. And even if it is, I choose to pick you up. And to call you friend over and again and again. And it's hard. It's very hard. I'm sure many of you have been in situations, and particularly somehow the church does this better than most people, is we hurt one another. Because often we come to a point where we think we are owed everything. And we become victims of our stuff. And therefore, it's, it's never our fault. It's everyone else's fault. And the sooner we come back to the principle of reconciliation, understanding what the love of God actually means in our lives and what it means to be a new creation, what it means to be reconciled to God and to be reconcilers of His Word with others, the sooner we will understand this message. And the sooner we will understand that when we forgive others of the sin and the stuff in their lives, the sooner we will be free from the stuff that holds us back. Isaiah 53, 5 says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the, <clears throat> what? Never mind. I won't use that word. The reality is it was Christ who was broken for our transgression. And this is so hard. It's easy to understand God as the Savior, God as the thing, God as Almighty. We is worthy of it all. And we sing these amazing songs. And it's rightly so. It was like such a holy moment. Because that is who God is. But if that does not change the way we respond to people. And act out our lives. And operate in a place where we are reconciled to one another and to Him. What is the point? See, Jesus never set us free from sin and free from the world and free from stuff to hold us bondage in other relational brokenness. 
You know, we've been talking, and Dave's done a great series on, on how the gospel transforms us. And it's just building on this. That's, that's what it's about. It's Jesus transforming every area of our lives. Our relationships in the church should not be the same as the world. We should be doing things differently. We really should. People should be looking at us and going, man, there is difference. Not saying typical church people. What does that mean? We're entrusted with this message. We're called to preach this message. We're called to live out this message. And that is what we're there to do. And we have to do it. Because it's what God asks of us. If we put up that flag of Jesus, we need to make sure that we're carrying the flag of reconciliation with it. Because that is the message of God. He is reconciling us to Him and us to one another. Which is the fourth thing. The mandate of reconciliation. Verse 20. We're called to passionately urge people to be reconciled to God. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You see, we're more than messengers. We are representatives of the sovereign God. So if you understand a, an ambassador of a country, so obviously in every country we'll have ambassadors in different parts of the world. And if you watch enough, enough of those spy movies and series and stuff like that, when you get an embassy, whatever, that piece of soil is governed by the laws of the country that it comes from. You know that? So therefore, those laws apply. That is the full representation of the country that it represents. In the old days, when the, the Romans were, were called to, hello? <clears throat> In the old days, when there was, um, when the Russians, not the Russians, oh, good grief, shows you where my head is. <laughs> what do you call it? The Romans. The way they're behaving at the moment, there's not much of a difference, but anyways. But the, the Roman Empire, there were two different, um, what do you call those, like, like states or provinces and stuff. And it was the Imperials, and no, it's not Star Wars, um, but it was the like Imperial States and um, like Senates type thing. And the Senates were like the peaceful guys, they didn't give Rome any grief, and they just, they were at Friends with Rome, they were peaceful, and they just operated. But then you got the imperial provinces or areas and stuff, and just like Star Wars, they were the problems. And, but they were still under the, road, the, 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 the emperor's rule, but he used to send ambassadors there to make sure that these guys don't get out of line. And he had the full authority and power that the emperor had. In Rome, and if you know Rome and you know the emperors, and they were extremely cruel and like disciplined, strict, and didn't take any nonsense. There's Afrikaans sentence for that, but I won't say that on 
on social media. <clears throat> and so they had full sorry, they were the complete ambassador. And if someone stepped out of line, they were just like, you'll get crucified, no problem, taken out. Because they had that authority. And like, obviously, Israel was one of those things. So they had ambassadors and governors and all those that represented the, what you call it, the, the Roman Empire in, in Israel. Now, we are being placed as ambassadors of Jesus. That means he has given us that mandate. I have given you all authority and power to do what I did. To fulfill my commands and my purposes. To live your life in the same way that I lived mine. That is hectic. That is the mandate that he has given each one of us to do. You know, and the incredible thing about that is um, many of us, like I said earlier, like we worship and we accept the Lord as our, our Lord and Savior. But when it comes to the authority and the power, when it comes to actually living every, life, every day, step by step and day by day, and actually walking in the confidence that we know that we are ambassadors and that all authority and power has been given to us, this is where we tend to backtrack a little bit. And we allow sin, we allow the enemies, we allow um, words from people, we allow different aspects of our lives to interfere and eventually corrode and break down the authority that we've been given. The incredible thing about authority is, um, I won't necessarily use South Africa as in this context so much, but I know in a first world country, when you go to first world countries and a policeman's on the side or driving behind you and you see a blue light come on, automatically they pull off. If they're chasing someone else and the sirens are on, it doesn't matter where you are, you pull your car off and you stop. If there's a siren, you pull your, your car to the side that they can go. No one tries to dodge him behind them and then start gunning. No one starts to say, okay, I need to floor this now. Here's my moment. Here's a gap in the traffic and go. There's an authority about the siren. Or if they're on the side of the road and you can be driving one of those massive like 24-wheel or 18-wheel truck things and the smallest little policeman will step out in front and go, whoa, as big as that truck is, it will stop. And it's not because the power of the policeman, it's the authority of the policeman, what the badge carries. You've got the authority of Jesus in your life. And the mandate that he says is go and pray for the sick, cast out demons, and the ministry of reconciliation, drawing others towards himself and towards others. And if that doesn't excite you, then I think we should all go home. <laughs> and then the last one, the model of reconciliation. Verse 21 says, um, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, our sins were placed on him on the cross. Our transgressions 
our imperfections, our broken relationships, our strange cat family members, the silly things we do, the stupid things we do, the sin we do, the stuff we do to ourselves that harms us, the stuff we do to one another has all been placed on Him. And it's in Him and through Him that we become the righteousness of God. There is nothing we can do that can fix ourselves up. It is all in Him and through Him. So it's that repentance and it's coming to Him and the model that He gives us and the steps He takes us. He gives us His Guys, let's make sure that we have been reconciled to God in a good way, not a manipulative way, but through the loving Father. I've said this before many times, but I remember as a, as a teenager, and I've heard it in so many altar calls um, in my life, where there's a message preached, and someone says, can you imagine if you go out and in your car or you walk across the road and you die, that you're going to hell. So if you don't want to go to hell, put up your hand and accept Jesus. Anyone heard altar calls like that? Also not 100% sure. But I remember hearing it a lot, you know, uh, through different like youth rallies and stuff like that. And for me, that's so sad. So our, our first thing about Jesus is more out of fear of... <laughs> What could we, instead of understanding, you know what? If anyone here has never accepted or knows the love of God, the love of the Father that would say to his son, son, the only way we can do this is you're going to have to go and be amongst them. You're going to have to live with them. Teach them, show them. And unfortunately, they're going to reject you. They're going to mock you. They're even going to kill you. But we will take that. And we will use it. And we will show them through the pain and the struggle that they will give you. The absolute rejection. The fact that they will beat you and stab you on the cross. We will use that to show them how much we love them. That's the altar calls I want to hear. I want to hear about the loving Father. The God who restores. The God with us. The God who is prepared to come and be with us. That's the God I want to be reconciled with. I don't want to be a God who's just giving me that side ticket to stay out down bottom, like, you know, out of the flames. I want to be the God who created everything. God who created me, who knows me. Who knows all the nonsense I've got up to and ever do get up to. But loves me despite it. Second one about the action steps is be reconciled to those around you. What expectations have you put on others that have been unfairly put on people, on, on them? And you expect them to be this for you. And you've never ever told them. Or they've said something and done something that has just irritated you and you've just like, 
the constant or the new culture is, well, that's cancel culture. We, we, you know, Lyle, you said something last week, bro. That's it. Cancel him out of my life. Don't need that. I've got five other friends, so remove one. Let's not do what the world says, but let's reconcile those around us. And if you know people who are struggling, I think that's probably one thing I've done more this year than, okay, maybe not more, but I've done it a lot this year, is where I've had people come to me with conflicts and where this one is not connecting with this one and there's a struggle and there's a pain and there's a whatever. And my advice is always, okay, what is it? Write it down. And then they come and they say, yeah, I've written it down. I'm so proud. Yes, I've done it. I said, now you need to take this and go and speak to that person. Why would I do that? Because that's what God calls us to do. That's what God calls us to do. He calls us to be reconciled. No unfair expectations. And then, one of Rob's passions, we are called to help others be reconciled to him. That is our mandate. That is our calling. That is what we are here for. Go and make disciples. Every tribe and tongue. There's a stat that says 80% of those who attend church one or more times a month believe they are personally responsible to share their faith. But despite this, less than 10% of that 80% actually share their faith more than once a year. We are an incredibly powerful unit. That's not sarcasm, I'm sorry. If the gospel really makes a change and difference in us, I'm not saying stand up on street corners. I'm not saying go and do weird things. Share what God is doing in your life with someone. And if they say, thanks, but no thanks, sure. But my experience, and it's not that long, it's only 40 odd years, is that when you start sharing that and you ask someone, can I just pray with you? 98%? Of people say sure. I've had the privilege of many times to even pray with Muslim brothers and sisters. And I said, Can I pray with you? Sure. We're often more afraid of ourselves than the others are afraid of us. Let's reconcile others towards God. If we really want to change this nation, if we really want to change this world, if we really want to make a difference, 
There's no other way but Jesus. Really. And if we don't believe that, I'm sure you wouldn't be here. If we really want to see reconciliation in this nation, it needs to begin with each of us picking up our cross and carrying, laying down ourselves, letting the old die and the new arise. Walking in the righteousness of God, walking in the authority of God, and allowing Him to do whatever He wants to do through us and in us, wherever we are. I remember when we were at the, at the church plant, I think it was Matt. Matt always used to speak about, like, was either through worship or whatever, he said, you know what? Every week we used to pray that the Holy Spirit would just constantly empower us because that during the week we would leak, leak out, that His Spirit would leak out and engage those around us. Let's be people that just leak the presence of God. Shall we stand together? Why don't you just put your hand on the person while ask the person if they don't mind you. Uh, just laying your hands on their shoulder or something. Let's just pray together. And then I want to invite anyone who feels they would like prayer, if there's anything in their relationships with family, friends, or whatever, and you want prayer, you can come to the forward, and I'm sure some leaders and it will be in front here to pray for you. Um, but this is a wonderful time of year to restore because it's the heart of God. So, Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your, your love for us, Lord. And we thank you for just the ministry and the model that you gave us of restoration and for reconciliation, Lord. That you came to reconcile, even though, Lord, you did not trespass against us, Lord, but we have trespassed against you over and sinned against you over and over again. Lord, way back from Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel, Lord, we have been in conflict with you. But you chose, you chose to reconcile us towards you, Lord. And we thank you, Lord. And Lord, I pray for every single person here this, this morning. Lord, I pray for every family that is represented here. And the struggles and the pains and the relational brokenness that families experience, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would come and heal and restore in Jesus' name, Lord. So come, Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that this season, this time, these next few weeks, Lord, will be awesome family time, Lord, where we can experience your presence and your power and authority in our lives. Lord, help us to make a difference in our families. Help us to make a difference in our, wherever we go, Lord. May we leak your presence and your spirit out wherever we go, Jesus. So come, Holy Spirit, refresh us. Let us rest in you, Jesus, in your powerful name, Lord. Amen. Amen.
Please feel free if you would like prayer. We will be in the front. Otherwise, go and enjoy some, some coffee at the back. And then there's free tea at the back. And thank you to those online. Hello, my loving Canada. We'll see you soon.